This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to your AEW Dynamite Recap Show edition of the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, the content machine, Liam Crowley, and I'm joined by two familiar faces today. First, to my right, it's a Wrestling Inc. Podcast regular, NYC's Demon Diva, Issa. Issa, long time no see. It's just been since Sunday, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is my fourth night in a row on Wrestling Inc. tonight. The viewers got to be like sick of me, but I love you guys. <laughs> well, thankfully, we have a stacked edition of AEW Dynamite to keep so those fun. turning and joining us alongside Isa and myself. To my left, former WWE referee and author of the three count, the delightful Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, Ooh. great to be back on the mics with you. It's been a couple months. Yeah, it's been a little while, and wow, delightful. I I, I, I may have uh, some who might disagree with you, but I appreciate <laughs> you saying so. And and yes, you're right. It was uh, what a what an edition of Dynamite coming out of uh, out of the paper. So much fun. Yeah. Yep. I can't agree more, guys. This is going to be a very fun show to sink our teeth into. But before we get into AEW Dynamite recap and review, and don't worry, we're going to spend a lot of time on that MJF promo. We do have one little bit of news that I did want to spotlight on today's podcast, and that being Bray Wyatt. Mr. Wyndham Rotunda himself back on social media, dropping some cryptic tweets. We don't exactly know what's happening with him, what his future holds, but he did drop three noteworthy blurbs that I wanted to read here. First, we have everything good that's ever happened to me. First came a period of horrible suffering. I never ask why. I just wait for the rough part to end. I was chosen for whatever reason, and I've got shit to do. It doesn't hurt anymore. It burns. I'm ready now. He followed that up with, I'm tired of watching, tired of hearing irrelevant clowns speculate how I'll be perceived. Tired of hearing about my greed, my desire, question, wherever and whenever I decide to return, I'll remind everyone why they know my name again and again. Believe in me. And he finalized that with one simple tweet. Patience, it's almost time. Isa, I'll go to you first for this one. What does any of this jargon mean? Are we actually getting close to Bray Wyatt's return to pro wrestling? I, I hope so. I, I want to see Bray Wyatt come back in whatever capacity, whether it is in a horror movie like it was discussed, whether, whether it is in pro wrestling. I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. I think he's a game changer, and, and I don't use that term a lot, but I really do think Bray Wyatt is that person. Regardless of where he shows up, there is a fan base behind him that are just desperately waiting to see him. So I love the fact that with just a couple of tweets, he has everybody talking about him because it goes to show you how relevant he still is. And whether when, I don't care where he shows up, that is someone that I'm following no matter where he goes. So I'm excited for it. And I love that aspect of them too, because most people try to capitalize on that. If it's 30 days or 90 days, as soon as those, you know, durations of time are expired, they go to the next company. They want to make sure their star is as bright as mm -hmm. ever. Bray Wyatt has been outside of a squared circle for almost a calendar year, and he still has our attention like that. Jimmy Corderas, when you saw these mm -hmm. tweets, 
What was your initial reaction? Is is Bray Wyatt going back to WWE? Is he going to another company? Where do you see his pro wrestling future lying? It almost feels like he is hinting at WWE, but it, 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 whether it's WWE or AEW, in my opinion, there are ready-made rivalries for him wherever he goes because uh, at this point right now, wh whatever company he decides to go to, the, the fans are going to just be right behind him. You know, they're going to love the return. And if you if it's AEW, he's got a, a rivalry he could set up with House of Black that I think would be very, very uh, exciting. But if you look now in WWE, uh, Edge, yes. in, in, his, in his little uh, <laughs> posse there, and you look, something else that has me uh, curious coming off of Monday night too, we saw Alexa Bliss Monday night. She's still carrying that little doll with her. Yeah, you know, I mean, yes, she has been getting help, <laughs> but she is still carrying the doll with her. So, uh, wherever it goes, Bray Wyatt's going to make an impact, and I think uh, fans are ready, eager, and waiting for him to return wherever it happens to be. And yeah, I'm you, knowing Bray, he's going to make it work wherever it is. I I completely agree. Wherever he ends up, I think he will adapt very well too, and I think he'll kind of change the culture as well, no matter whether it's a return to WWE, a debut with AEW, or maybe mm -hmm. something else entirely that's not even on our radars. But you mentioned oh. ready, eager, and waiting. I think the people are ready, eager, and waiting for us to dive into AEW Dynamite, and we kick this show off with our new AEW champion, Mr. CM Punk, making his way to the ring with that belt, the gold around his waist. It just feels right again. I started watching pro wrestling in 2011, and I remember CM Punk with the old spinner title, Punk plus gold just equals money for my eyes. Himself and FTR ended up defeating Max Caster in the gun club. Max Caster obviously not having his tag partner, Anthony Bowens. He's still on the shelf with an injury, but he still comes down in the wheelchair and supports from ringside. A big GTS and big rig combination to get that final one, two, three. Issa, I want to go to you first for this one. What did you think of Punk's first match as AEW champion? I mean, I love that they put him in a in a six man match. I I think you know it was it was a rough night for everybody on 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 Sunday. So it it was good to see him, especially with FTR. We know that after Double or Nothing went off the air, that's who he decided to celebrate in the ring. And this is this is a stable that I can get behind any day of the week. Like take my money. I'm with you. Seeing CM Punk with the title, it feels like I'm living in a weird multiverse. Like even when his music hits, it still doesn't feel real to me. And that also goes to seeing Cody wrestle in WWE. I still like I watch it every week and it still doesn't like click with my brain that I'm really watching this. But I do think that is it's the right decision to put the title on CM Punk. And I know we'll spend a lot of time talking about it, but I know exactly we should be taking that title off of him. So Ooh. I'll leave it at that. I like it. I like yeah. it. Jimmy Corderas, after the bell rang, Punk and Dax Harwood got on the mics. Punk mentioning that he still has to get better, but that's what the title is all about. And Dax shouting out his wife and daughter in the crowd, mm -hmm. mentioning that he is not okay with being attacked, referencing obviously the United Empire coming after him mm -hmm. and his tag partner last week. And then we got the big reveal. Punk saying he has someone on the other side of the forbidden door waiting for him. Mm -hmm. None other than the ace of New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi, how do you feel about the likely main events of Forbidden Door being CM Punk versus Hiroshi Tanahashi? I like it from a diehard, hardcore wrestling fan point of view because this is a dream matchup. Uh, you know, a new Japan pro wrestler, Tanahashi versus CM Punk, the, the new 
newly crowned AEW champion, which I agree. I think it was the right decision for him to become the champion. It's not a disrespect to any disrespect to Hangman Adam Page. This is more that I don't think they handled his championship reign. Uh, uh, they didn't elevate the championship or him in the process of his title reign. It's not that he was a bad champion or bad, bad in the ring. I don't think creative did a good job. Now, again, I like this matchup. I think it's going to be a hell of a match. But if you're trying to increase your audience past that diehard hardcore audience that already tunes in, uh, maybe it could have been someone else. Like you're talking about bridging the gap between him and who Issa was alluding to earlier, which I would love to see happen. But let it build. Let it marinate. Let it season. Let the juices soak in. You know what I mean? Before that happens. But until then, it's almost like you have... Punk kind of aligning himself with FTR. And there's another group on the other side, uh, a former champion and also someone who is known to a wide audience other than the diehards in Y2J. So you have a tag team there and him. I'm not saying put the title on Y2J. I'm saying there is a rivalry that you can build to that could bring in new eyes and hopefully, you know, elevate that audience because that's the goal at the end of the day. It is the wrestling business at the end of the day. And as a fan, I'm, I'm, I want to see this Tanahashi match, but as thinking from a business standpoint, I want to see something that more eyes would see. I, I see what you're saying, and I'll put another lens on it. I'll look at it from a booker's perspective. Because mm -hmm. when it comes to Forbidden Door, this is not going to be a situation where Tony Khan is booking all the winners and losers. It's going to be a co-collaboration effort between both the AEW and New Japan creative teams. And they don't want punk to lose a major marquee matchup and i think tanahashi's at that stage of his new japan career where i always hear you know the ace of new japan his lengthy title reigns of the past his wrestle kingdom main events but his time has kind of passed he, he's now in that stage where i feel he can lose big matches and still retain his star power i believe he lost to chris jericho when they faced each other on mm -hmm. a new japan match uh before while chris jericho was not going to beat guys like Okada or Kenny Omega when he was at the height of his powers in New Japan. So I look at this more of what's the biggest guy we can put against CM Punk while also making sure CM Punk still goes over. And Tanahashi seems like the safest bet. Isa, does that align with any of your thinking? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I was actually doing a watch along on my channel and a lot of people were um, like hoping for Okada to be the one that came out of mm -hmm. that tunnel, you know, when CM mm -hmm. Punk made the call. And, and, and I couldn't help but to think it, you have to have CM Punk win this match, you know, at Forbidden Door. And I can see, I can see CM Punk walking away victorious without hurting anybody in the process of the booking of the match. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that perspective when it comes to this match. Because as we know, we want Punk to stay strong until he eventually loses that AEW mm. title. And I think we might have seen the first seed planted towards that storyline here tonight in the mm -hmm. very next segment. Maxwell Jacob Friedman live on AEW Dynamite tonight. A shock to me when I saw that this was announced leading up to the show because mm -hmm. that stretcher job made it seem like he was being written off TV for a while. Mm -hmm. And when they advertised this segment, it was on Twitter with no words. It was on Instagram with no caption. I'm like, what is going on here? And then he spoke and we got the Pipe Bomb 2022 edition. Yes, I'm ready to call it that. Oh, uh, that was a nuke. No. That was a nuke. That was no. a pipe bomb. That was a nuke. I, I, go. uh, I was gonna, I was gonna call it the Max Bomb, but why don't we call it the Max Max Nuke? Max, the max nuke. nuke. I like that. The I max like nuke. That. I think that's what we're coining it. Well, anyways, 
What a promo from MJF. He aired all of his grievances. This was a complete shift from where that Wardlow storyline was just three days ago. All the rumors and innuendos that we were reading on websites and seeing on Twitter were publicly aired tonight. Him mentioning lines about how Tony Khan reserves all the big money for the ex-WWE guys. And then he asks, would I be more valued if I was an ex-WWE guy? And he ends this promo looking straight down into the camera saying, fire me, Tony, you effing Mark. What? Wow. The molecules in the room have changed, guys. I sat up. I perked up. I was like, oh, my God. I am enthralled with a pro wrestling storyline once again. And I was like, when's the last time I felt this? Oh, that's right. MJF versus CM Punk just a month ago. This guy has the Midas touch. Everything he touches turns to gold. And I am enamored right now with wherever this storyline goes. I'm only upset because I know AEW loves their slow burns and loves their long-term booking. And we're likely only going to get little tiny tidbits until this eventually culminates months and months down the line. Jimmy, I'll go to you first for this one. What was your initial reaction to MJF's Max Bomb as you penned it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, What words can describe it? it? It was intense. It was. And you know what? It was laced with so many truths because some of the stuff he said, you know, you can list this and list that. But one of the things he talked about was him getting the audience invested, interested in what he does, regardless of whether it's with his words, what he does in the ring. He doesn't have to do a twisting, burning 450 hammer Phoenix splash to get a a rise out of the crowd. He could do it by just looking at them. Here's a young man who's 26 years old, who for someone so young gets it so much. He just, he's got all the tools and whether this is a work whether this is, I don't care. I am interested. I want to see more of him. I want to see this happen somewhere down the road. And you talked about a slow burn, Liam. I'm all for it. You take your time. You Because like you said, he has the Midas touch right now. Everything he touches and says turns to gold. And, and as long as he can keep that going, and after especially planting the seeds that he planted tonight, I'm all for it. Killer Denzel seems to agree. Writing MJF's promo tonight was CM Punk pipe bomb level. It was golden masterpiece for him talking about the company and ex-WWE guys that Tony Khan is working with. Issa, I saw your face light up as soon as we shifted to MJF. Tell me all of your initial thoughts. Listen, I've been very vocal about MJF being my favorite thing about all elite wrestling television for a long time. So this is no bandwagon comment here. MJF has been a reason for me to tune into all elite wrestling for quite a while now. I was also very vocal about how I feel going into every pay-per-view, he has the best built feud, which we're talking months in advance. If you're only doing four pay-per-views a year, you have months to build the storylines. And NJF, like Jimmy says, gets it. And he does just that. So you're so invested. But tonight, I'm sorry. Like I, I when you couldn't think he could get on a different level, he just like completely like com- just took the escalator, he took the elevator and he broke it. That elevator is not coming back down from what NJF did tonight. He he broke the fourth wall, the passion in which he delivered this, it, it felt real. And let me tell you something, CM Punk had just got done cutting a promo that I felt was very good when he said, hey, I made mistakes, you learn from your mistakes. I love what CM Punk had to say. So we saw real in two very different aspects i'm gonna tell you something as soon as they there was rumors that 
you know, some big executives might be there tonight because of the numbers. And I know he mentioned that on his promo. Because of the numbers that NJF does, I didn't think that we were going to see this show with no NJF. Like, it wouldn't make any sense if you're going to have your, your top executives watching the show maybe live tonight. You're not going to keep your top-rated segment out mm-hmm. of television. Mm-hmm. But let him go out there and just give him freedom. I am a newer wrestling fan, right? I came back, I watched on and off, but I came back into it around 2014. So for this new generation, and I know they talk about the key demo a lot, to get that moment that just Mm. sinks you right in and you go to say, holy shit, I love wrestling. Mm. I think everybody deserves to have that moment. And I think NJF delivered that for AEW wrestlers and not even, I have people texting me afterwards because they were seeing it around social media, little clips, little this, little that, saying, I really need to start watching this. And I'm like, I've, I've been telling you, <laughs> you know, I've been telling you to watch this. So it, it's, it's incredible to see this because you go back and you talk about the pie bomb to so many people, right? Because we don't see that realness anymore when it comes to professional wrestling. And, and I just, I'm a fan of everything that went on. I was doing a wash along and I got to tell you, I was speechless and it's very hard to leave me speechless. I was just doing a quiet scream. Like, <laughs> like I could not stop screaming at everything that he was saying. And from a woman's perspective, that was sexy as hell. Just throwing that out there. Well, we'll take your word for it. <laughs> we will take your word for it. And you said something that also got my interest because I thought, Oh, as soon as MJF was on TV tonight, okay, this is going to be a work. And they're going to use some elements that were actually real beforehand. But you also mentioned, you know, TV executives being there. Could this be a situation where we heard rumblings before that Tony Khan and MJF reached a financial agreement to have him work double or nothing very late? Could that be a repeat scenario? Is this actually the brewing of a storyline? Or was this, hey, MJF, here's your live mic. We want to appease these Warner execs. Work your magic and... Hopefully we get something out of it. Jimmy, I'll ask you. I know everyone's so sick of these two magic words mm-hmm. in pro wrestling. But is this a work or is this a shoot? Like I said, I, I, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I believe this is an elaborate work that they've been keeping to themselves. And if it is, then bravo. Because uh, one, th- one of the hardest things to do these days is take something yeah. this elaborate, this intense, and something this is that's so heated and keep it in a tight, tight circle where it doesn't get leaked out to, to anybody. And if it's not, and this is something that uh, a byproduct of, of a real situation, then, you know, hats off to MJF for being professional enough to show up at the pay-per-view and do his work and uh, do what he's supposed to do and that sort of thing. But the back of my mind is telling me this is a brilliant job of working everybody. And like yeah. you said, if it's going to work, it needs to be a very tight-knit inner circle. We're talking only MJF, only Tony Khan, and only his future opponent, which I probably believe is CM Punk, who's a guy that you want to have on your side when it comes to a work shoot situation because he knows how to manipulate the crowd. And also, it's 2022. It's been 11 years since the summer of Punk at Money in the Bank in 2011. The mm-hmm. wrestling news sites are a lot more active nowadays. You know, you have a lot more ears listening in. So you have CM Punk with the old school mentality of possibly aiding MJF, while MJF also having the new school mentality of having the whole, okay, how do I still play undercover here while everyone and their mother is tuning in to all of my whereabouts? Isa, I want to ask you something along the lines of the CM Punk stuff, because I don't just bring up his name out of theory. 
during the commercial break and not a pitcher in pitcher scenario. You had to hunt through Twitter to find this out. Mm. CM Punk himself came limping out from backstage to confront MJF. He got up to the ring apron and MJF got out of the ring and walked away through the crowd. Did you see that on Twitter? And if you did, what are we thinking is happening? So I didn't see it because I was doing a watch along. So I stay away from social media. I try to just stay, you know, with my YouTube audience. Um, that being said, I, 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 my main concern in regards to MJF is while I admire the fact that he manages to stay on top without sniffing a world title, it bothers me as an MJF <laughs> fan that you haven't seen him in a world like in a, in a title picture, not even just the world title, even the TNT, we have not seen MJF in, in a title picture in, in, in a long, long time. And, he, and as an MJF fan, that bothers me. And I think that adds up to to what he was, you know, referring to tonight. You know what I mean? Like MJF did everything he could to, to make the CM Punk um, field work. And on top of that, he beat CM Punk on their original, you know, on their first match. And the fact that CM Punk is now the world champ makes you go like, oh, mm. okay. Because CM Punk would have not won without Warlow. Let's just be clear about that. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, I'm a big fan of um, mixed cocktails. And to Jimmy's point, I do feel there's a little bit of maybe it started as a work. Maybe there is a little aspect of NJF that's annoyed at the fact that all these guys are coming in, maybe making more than him. You also signed that contract before all of this started happening. So I think this is a little mm. bit of a mix of a shoot and a work. I think that I think that wrestling news have been fed different, mm -hmm. different uh, things. And I think mm. that if there's somebody that's well aware of that, it's Tony Khan. I think Tony Khan is very connected to the wrestling media and who's talking mm. and who's doing what. So again, if this is an elaborate work, bravo. Regardless, this is a promo that will, in the three years of All Elite Wrestling, is going to go down at one of my favorite moments, top three as of right now in, in Dynamite history. Jimmy, I just saw a light bulb go. No, up. it's it's because it's because sometimes they say the most hated heel usually can become one of the most beloved baby faces down the road. And if it ends up being where MJF becomes the spokesperson for the AEW locker yes. room, uh, the yes. uh, against the anti WWE guys, and he becomes their their. You know, like, hey, I'm sticking up for you guys kind of thing. The guys who are getting looked over because these are the guys that came in, you know, from the other guys and blah, blah, blah. I, I just see the potential there for there being a double turn. Jimmy, I feel like we just became best friends. Oh. I feel like we just became best <laughs> friends because I'm telling you, I feel like there's been five AEW world champs, three of them former WWE champs. Mm -hmm. I don't count Kenny Omega as a grown home talent. The only person was him and Adam Page. And we can argue that maybe out of all of the champions, he had the worst reign. So are they really catering to their home and grown? And I get it. Hangman Page had a career before AEW. I didn't know who he was before AEW, mm. right? So who are we catering to here? And it's just like, is NJF being a heel? Or is he really standing up for the people that help AEW become the company that it is that allows CM Punk to say, hey, maybe I'll go watch maybe i'll go back to wrestling brian danielson mm -hmm. said hey i think i'm gonna leave this side and go to that side mm -hmm. Mox walking into that first double or nothing you know what i mean it took people like njf for these big names to say i think i'm gonna switch sides and i mm -hmm. think njf is in every right to stand up for the people that make that happen for them mm -hmm. 
I'm just I'm grinning ear to ear at this at the potential of this storyline because Jimmy, you mentioned it earlier when I said that I'm just impatient. I want to see the payoff now, but I I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to have the summer of MJF, and that's one thing. I started watching pro wrestling. I'll never forget. It was October 2011. I was flicking through the channels trying to find the World Series. I ended up on Monday Night Raw, and I was just hooked. But I missed. I was so close. I missed the summer of Punk in 2011. The thought of that being replicated here, the whole work, shoot, yeah. what is real, what is fact, what is fiction environment, mm-hmm. redone with MJF in the CM Punk role and the poetic justice of CM Punk possibly being <laughs> in the John Cena role of mm-hmm. the, the protected champion, the guy that the people behind the scenes really want. It's art. It's art. This is why people say like pro wrestling is great storytelling because of how it rhymes and how if you're really invested in the lore that comes behind it and Mm -hmm. what the years leading up and all the different feuds, it's all coming together. And I think we're in the the middle of something beautiful. It's really funny that you bring that up, Liam, because I can tell you exactly the moment that I got back into it. And it's Unrelated, but hear me out. I took my nephew for his birthday present to a show. I wasn't watching wrestling anymore. I watched it on and off, you know, growing up, but then I had to go to college and that was probably a bigger priority than watching wrestling. So I took him to a show, it was in 2014. And I remember seeing the shield come down through the entrance. I remember seeing Roman Reigns and I was like, oh, I've been missing out. I need to start watching this, right? So my nephew at that time was the biggest John Cena fan. And I started watching wrestling and I become the biggest Seth Rollins fan, which this is when he broke up the shield and he's like, you know, everybody hates him. And I'm like, I love Seth Rollins. So it was just funny because one of the people that texted me tonight saying me, I need to start watching all of was my nephew who's all grown now. He's a Marine, he's deployed, bless his heart, wherever he is. And um, he's like, why am I not surprised that you like this guy? Because he told me, he's like, ever since you came back to watching wrestling, you always root for the bad guys. And I'm like, but he's not a bad guy. I thought he has some valid points there, you know? And I feel like now that wrestling mentality has changed and we have so much access to like the behind the scenes things, there is something there about the heel that has a valid point that you want to root for them that we didn't have back in the day when we didn't have all this access to this information that I think this NJF story could really become something fun to watch and follow for newer fans that didn't get to experience that back in the day. There's layers mm-hmm. to this stuff, and it's yep. really, really Many cool. Layers. Yeah. We have a lot more mm-hmm. dynamite to cover, but I do want to get to this one super chat before we move on from the MJF stuff. Bear Hudson, thank you so much mm-hmm. for sending in the super chat. He says, based on the information we know, do we really think MJF would really sign with WWE? I can't imagine Tony Khan letting MJF sign with WWE. It would be a bad look for homegrown stars of how valuable they are. You know... A year ago, I would say I can never imagine. I think he's playing up the whole bidding war mm-hmm. of 2024 for his character. And behind the scenes, Max Friedman, as he mm-hmm. dropped on Dynamite tonight, which was really cool. Um, I think he's very loyal to, to Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. Now, with everything that transpired in the past couple of months, mm-hmm. I think those lines have been a little blurred. I think when the dust finally settles, he will stay in AEW. I'll never forget uh, I went to Dynamite mm-hmm. in Rochester back in September where he dropped the infamous, you know, Four Pillars promo. And he mm-hmm. talked about the guys who are going to be carrying AEW for the next 25 years. That's a big commitment, but I mm-hmm. honestly do see MJF as that guy who's with AEW until the day he retires because he cares. He's able to have storyline fulfillment that he really wouldn't get in WWE because of all the hoops you have mm-hmm. to jump through. Well, Does that align with 
what you're thinking or I well, think for, no well I think I let's just put it this way the recent defection of Cody Rhodes back to WWE I think changes the uh, the numbers a little bit so to speak because we see now that Cody Rhodes is doing man I I love what Cody's doing right now mm-hmm. it is awesome and the one the one misconception about Vince is if he was he sees this talent. He sees what he could do. The only uh, the only thing that worries me is uh, a, a potential name change because we see that happen with with people who are being called in. But I don't see that happening with MJF. Uh, um, but uh, I think he won't be given as much freedom as he has in AEW. But he would be given some creative freedom to to be that Maxwell Jacob Friedman character. Isa, what are your thoughts? I, um, before even the promo, as hype as I am, I do have to talk about some of the statements that Tony Khan made today that we saw, um, you know, roaming around wrestlinginc.com. It's actually where I read it, where Tony Khan says, hey, 2024 is a long way from now. It is 2022. And I felt like that was Tony Khan's on own way of saying, I don't care what he wants. He's signed through 2024 and I can hold him accountable for this contract that he Mm -hmm. signed. So I, even if he goes to WWE, I don't see it happening until then, unless, you know, there's some kind of arrangement made and and it's going to be a a big court mess because he does Mm -hmm. have a contract until January 1st of 2024. So, you know, even if he goes to WWE, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Especially after what we saw tonight. I think everybody's all involved in this. In this MJF is not happy storyline. And he's probably the happiest that he's ever been. We, we won't know. <laughs> I, you know, we've been talking about this one particular segment for 25 minutes. And I still have goosebumps right now. I think yeah. we're in store for I something. Can't wait to, I yeah. can't wait to go watch it back. Because I was yeah. live on my channel. And now I'm live here. And I haven't been able to just really go back and, and just watch it. Like, I, I need to watch it a million times yeah. again. Because there's always a little thing in in there where you go, oh, I missed that. Oh, because you know, because I'm popping for certain things that he said, you know. And, but you know, uh, I, yeah, again, I just, I, I it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm telling you, I was just screaming. I literally was screaming, and I got pregnant. It was so good that I got pregnant. I have babies. My babies have babies, and those babies have babies from this promo. That's how good this segment was. That should wrap it up. I, I completely agree. And also, too, when it comes to watching it back, we got to watch it back on DVR because it is nowhere on Instagram. It is nowhere on Twitter. I don't know if they'll post it to YouTube. I like how they're blurring the lines, though, with that because it makes it feel. I know. And, and did you notice that commentary didn't mention it at all afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. So what? good. Because I was hoping when they did the MJF and CM Punk, their first face-to-face promo, which mm-hmm. was absolutely incredible, AEW uploaded their entire back and forward to their YouTube channel. And I will tell you, before I got on here, I refreshed the AEW feed on YouTube, and I'm mm-hmm. like, they haven't uploaded it yet. Like, I need to see this entire promo. The fact that they're, like, playing along with it just makes it that much better. Exactly. I completely agree, guys. I said we were going to move on, but we still got more Super Chats to get through <laughs> regarding this MJF segment. Allison writing, if MJF did go to WWE, do you think he can bring the ratings up for them? Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. what are your thoughts? Absolutely, because what, especially in WWE, when people are invested in characters, when, that's what he does. He draws people in. and he, Obviously, that AEW crowd that, that cracks on WWE, a lot of them tune into WWE as well whether it's just to, to crack on them or whatever the case may be, he's the, he's a guy that could draw an audience. And, and we, I think he would be very successful in WWE. 
We have another. And MJF has been like proven. He brought it up in the promo that he is the mm-hmm. highest rated segment that AEW yeah. has. It was it was part of his amazing yeah. promo tonight. He knows yeah. he knows his words. He mm-hmm. knows the audience that he's bringing. And we were talking about Bray Wyatt in the beginning of the show. MJF is someone that I will follow too if he left AEW wherever he decides to go. And you got a you got some merchandising. Uh, he could come out with a T-shirt next week that says "Fire Me, Tony." Mm. that's and also too with pro wrestling tees not necessarily all being official aew some could be independently printed mm-hmm. tees you got some in there and isa you mentioned too beyond just the creative freedom it's the money factor that's what mjf wants and that's what leonza is saying here with her super chat thank you so much for sending that in wu-tang said it best cash real everything me cream get the money dollar dollar bills yo that's what i think about mjf potentially going to wwe Jimmy, I'll ask you this one real quick before we move on. Uh, Is this all about the money for MJF or is it about some creative fulfillment too? Uh, Of course, the money plays a factor in it, but I think there's a lot. I think it's a little bit of everything because like I said earlier, here's a young talent who gets it. And one of the things that when you're enthralled and you're, you're, you know, you dig your teeth into this business, you want to be able to create as well. And MJF is one of these guys you can tell wants to create. And I think he would be given more of an opportunity, uh, probably in AEW, to be free to do what he wanted. But at the same time, I think WWE would give him enough creative uh, input to continue uh, elevating and, uh, you know, evolving the MJF character. I got one last super chat. The actual last one regarding the MJF stuff. And I'll pitch this one to Issa. Allison writes, do you think WWE was watching the show and WWE stars were watching too? I assume this being particularly, particularly regarding the MJF promo. Issa, what are your thoughts? Yes, 100%. And even if they weren't watching, they're forced to afterwards. Mm -hmm. The buzz around this promo is big enough that it's going to make some people go out of their way to, to see what it is that was said. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Well, yeah. as we move on, Ralph the Ace also says Kayfabe is alive and well. Thanks to MJF. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much, Ralph, for supporting yes. the podcast. We move on. Johnny Elite, John Morrison, mm-hmm. Johnny Mundo, Johnny Nitro, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Johnny Impact is also <laughs> there, too. Uh, making his return to AEW tonight and he unfortunately was submitted by the returning Miro the first time we've seen Miro back on Mm -hmm. AEW television since full gear 2021 where he obviously lost in the eliminator tournament finals to Brian Danielson Jimmy I'll Mm -hmm. go to you first on this one what was your reaction to seeing Miro back in an AEW squared circle and where do you think his first program is now that he's back ah that's an interesting question the first program is is a tough one to figure out but I I like the promo I did like the promo. It, it was, it sounded intense. It sounded very Miro and it, and it established him. And against Johnny elite, uh, I thought it was interesting. He dominated most of the match. It almost felt like it was a, I, I hate to put it this way because Johnny's so much better than this, but a glorified enhancement match, mm-hmm. but it was, but Johnny is a guy who can get guys over. And that's what he did with Miro. He made him look like a million bucks as far as who his next opponent will be. He was being cheered, so it's tough to say. Uh, You got to find the right heel opponent for him. And uh, man, give me a few minutes, and uh, maybe Issa's got somebody. (laughs) We'll we'll circle back to you on that. Issa, what are your thoughts on Miro's return to AEW? What's lined up for him? 
All right, before we get into Miro, I just have to say one thing, right? So Johnny Elite is not signed to All Elite Wrestling. We know that's oh. clear. So I couldn't help but to wonder, like, imagine waiting in Gorilla to come out after that MJF promo. Like, in somewhat, in my imagination, I wanted to picture that Johnny uh, doesn't know anything going on, and he's just like, uh, do I go out there now? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, imagine just being in that position of having to mm. follow that NJF promo, yeah. which the return of Miro absolutely made you move on from the moment, even if you didn't want to, because, oh my God, have I missed Miro on All Elite Wrestling? And um, I feel bad for Johnny Ali because it's the second time we see him on Dynamite, and both times he has just been losing. But I'm going to say Scorpio Sky. I mm. feel like the TNT Championship has not oh. been where it needs to be ever since Miro dropped it. And, 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 and all his promos back then were about how he was God's champion. He needs to go back and get that title back. So I can't wait to see Miro elevate the TNT title again like he did. That's a very good call. You know, I, I wish I would have thought of that first. But, but it also works, too, because he can go through Ethan Page to get to Scorpio. And if I might jump in here, I don't want him to take the title off of Scorpio Sky. And the only reason why I say that is because what I loved about the TNT title division, if we can even call it that, is how many fresh faces get brought in, especially with Cody's reign back in the day when he would have the open challenges. So many fresh faces challenging for the title. We just got over the Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky saga, which was back and forth, back and forth for so long. Of course, Miro has been absent from the TNT title picture since that that dynamite that I attended that I mentioned way back in Rochester when Sammy Guevara defeated him for said title. But still, he's a familiar face. You know, he's the previous champion before the hot potato-ness between Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky and also Cody Rhodes uh, holding the title scarcely there as well. I'd like to see some fresh faces. And also, I don't want to put Miro in a situation to where he's eventually going to have to lose. I like the idea of having him have some mini feuds here and there. I honestly think Maybe something with Team Taz. I think maybe a recruitment angle, possibly. I think he might fit in with that crowd. But I also like him as a solo act. The only reason why I bring it up is because factions dominate AEW television. And it's hard to get TV time when you're just on your own. And that is the only exception. Liam, did you take a look at the rankings today? Because they updated them today. Did you take a look at the rankings today? I did, but I didn't like hyper analyze them because it was all one graphic this time yeah okay number one in the rankings for the men's right now is warlord right? so regardless of what happens here somebody's dropping a title soon this is it, it, it's <laughs> weird goes and feud with somebody else it's I'm weird that the, Scorpio Sky. yeah it's weird that the first the person who has had one officially under uh aew contract match is number one on anyway I digress. The, the rankings, as much as I love the concept going into mm -hmm. AEW, I find it more often than not them booking themselves into a corner. So mm -hmm. who knows what happens with Miro, but great to see him back. Uh, Lana, CJ Perry kind of spoiling it for me on Twitter beforehand. She noted that she was going to be tuning in, especially to tonight's Dynamite. I know rumors were leading up to Miro's mm -hmm. return being imminent, but still, I appreciated the surprise for as much as I was kind of expecting it. We now move on to the Jericho Appreciation Society. They hit the ring. They parade around glorifying themselves for winning mm -hmm. the Anarchy in the Arena match. But then they're interrupted by Eddie Kingston, who is with mm -hmm. William Regal. And whenever William Regal is near and there's a big faction warfare going on, I think of two words. And he can't say war games, but he announces blood 
and mm-hmm. his guts and that famous regal vigor voice. I loved it. I was so enthralled. It's this perfect continuation of where he kind of left off in NXT. And eventually, you know, even though the JAS don't accept immediately, we do get Ortiz in the ring hitting Jericho with that sock, cutting mm-hmm. some of his hair. Jericho agrees to the match and also demands a hair versus hair match with Ortiz, which is signed for Road Rager later this summer. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on Blood and Guts returning? And we're going to run it back with the anarchy in the arena participants. No, I, I like it. it. It needed to happen. And and like you said, Eddie Kingston is another special talent because here's a guy who comes out and feels so real. Every time I see him, and hear him, he feels real. And, and Jericho is just, again, he feels rejuvenated. You can see it in him, uh, uh, you know, working there in AEW. So this this blood and guts match kind of makes sense coming up, happening. And the hair versus hair thing is, uh, you know what? What's old is new again. This thing worked back in the day, and it'll work today, especially with someone like Jericho and that long hair. And <laughs> You know, you know, I, I used to know what that felt like. But, hey. <laughs> I, it, it it works for me. I enjoy it. I think I'm looking forward to it. They're making me anticipating wanting to see this, and that's the goal. Real quick, just wanted to bring up this comment. Headlock Heel says, Tony Khan is such a mark, according to MJF, that he recognized Wardlow's wins while he was contracted with MJF. That's how I'll fill in plot holes of the story. You know what? I kind of love that headcanon. Mm-hmm. I'm riding with it. Shout out yeah. Headlock Heel. Issa, your thoughts on blood and guts. And also, is Jericho due for a haircut? Yes, he is. Uh, I scream again. Uh, my, my entire watch alone was just me screaming because it was such a good episode of Dynamite tonight. But uh, I scream when, when Regal just yelled out blood and guts. I guess that's the new war game scream. Um, I, I, I want it, uh, you know, John Moxley, Brian, and everybody and company to win on Sunday. And when I saw the Jericho Association Society win, I was like, okay, this can only happen because we have to go into something else. The problem is how do you top what they did this Sunday? That Anarchy in the Arena match was just so much fun. My favorite thing on the entire show for Double or Nothing. So I'm excited for it. And I do think that Jericho already needs a haircut. I I, I actually can't believe I fell for it, but I, again, scream out loud when he cut a chunk of his hair out. So. I'm, I'm already excited. I'm already invested in this hair versus hair match. Yeah. I hope we get Bon Jovi Jericho back. I like that <laughs> hairstyle. That, that's when I was first introduced to him, you know, back in 2011 when he had the, or 2012 when he had the feud mm-hmm. with CM Punk. It's all coming full circle here on tonight's edition of a The circle of life, Simba. Yeah, that, that's inner what it is. Circle. Here inner on it, the circle. inner circle. Oh my god, yes. all the circle puns. Bray Wyatt, too. <laughs> he has the little circle emoji on his mm-hmm. Twitter handle now, too. Mm-hmm. So much full circle moments. Uh, yes. and that I guess continues with Samoa Joe backstage at AEW Double mm-hmm. or Nothing. He was attacked by Jay Lethal and Company, something we didn't see on the pay-per-view itself, mm-hmm. but a brief little segment just to kind of remind us that Samoa Joe is indeed still on the roster and is still mm-hmm. feuding with Jay Lethal and his Ring of Honor crew. Jimmy, I'll go to you first with this one. Any thoughts on this backstage segment, or was it kind of forgettable? Uh, it was. It felt like it was thrown in, and and I guess they're trying to explain maybe maybe Joe's going to be off for for a little while, taking care of some uh, some some nagging injuries, whatever the case may be. And maybe this was a way to to showcase that. But at the same time, that's the only one of the only issues. Uh, you know, I've talked. We talked before about tightening screws and stuff like that. Sometimes I feel like they try to throw too much at you. 
in the two hours yeah. that they have. Yes, I get it. They have a huge stacked roster and so forth, but sometimes you just got to let things rest and you can explain it later. You can explain it on Friday, whatever the case may be. You know what this kind of reminds me of is before they launched NXT UK as an actual show, they would weave in NXT UK storylines onto weekly NXT television just to kind yeah. of remind us, hey, this division still exists and we're planning on doing more with it pretty soon. I think that's kind of what Ring of Honor is right now on AEW programming, just to remind us that when eventually they do launch some sort of weekly Ring of Honor TV, it's not <laughs> like it's been completely forgotten about for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's actually been weaved in. And yes, forced in. I always kind of laugh at the very beginning of Dynamite when uh, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone run down all the matches and as fast as they can before the graphics expire on, on our screens. Uh, Issa, any thoughts on the Samoa Joe feud with Jay Lethal? Is this getting a little stale for you or where's your head at with it? Not yet, but I thought that him losing the um, the Owen Hart tournament was going to be because they cost him the match. I didn't want to see Adam Cole get some help. I would have rather seen these people come out and take down Samoa Joe. So I wish they would have done this on Sunday. Other than that, I, I give them respect for keeping Ring of Honor in the back of our heads. We saw it with FTR coming out with the Ring of Honor championships on the beginning of the show with CM Punk, the new AEW world champion. Mm. And then we saw Ring of Honor a little bit play around here. So I, I respect that they're keeping them on TV. Mm-hmm. Isa, looks like you got some fans over in the super chat as well. As Allison says, Isa, you should try and go and save WWE, bring the ratings up. Just kidding. And You're just kidding. Else? No. James it Adams would happen. Agree, Miss Allison. Isa for WWE correspondent. So if you ever want to do more than just, you know, the watch alongs on, on Twitch, I think you got some fans that want to see you backstage huh. at WWE. Uh, moving forward, though, with AEW now to about our halfway point, I believe. Big 10-man mm-hmm. tag action with the Undisputed Elite. Red Dragon, the Young Bucks, and Hikaleo from New Japan Pro Wrestling representing the Bullet Club. A nice little touch on commentary with them saying that Adam Cole had called over Jay White for a favor, very much planting the seeds of the Undisputed Elite and Bullet Club being a a joined forces come Forbidden Door. They defeated the team of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, and Darby Allen. Adam Cole was on commentary for the whole match. Jeff Hardy did accompany Matt out to ringside commentary addressing the fact that he is just very banged up right now and is not mm. in, in ring shape box ended up hitting the Meltzer driver for the win jimmy what were your thoughts on this 10-man tag action yeah it, it started off like a a, a a tag match and it broke into fun chaos let's put it that way and uh yes you know i i've complained before issues with uh tag rules in AEW and sometimes not being enforced. But in a situation like this, when it's a 10 man tag match, you got to let something slide. And like I said, to me, it was fun. They had me interested. They, the, you know, future rivalries coming out of this, like continuing the Hardys and Bucks situation. Once Jeff gets back uh, on his feet, I'm looking forward to seeing that continue. You know what I mean? So uh, again, I could, nitpick these little things but at the end of the day i had fun watching it isa any thoughts on the 10 man tag uh yeah i'm I'm with jimmy on this i i i think that based on on what we heard from the reports it seems like jeff hardy has been pretty banged up since that darby allen match and and i i'm not surprised he's wrestled every week after that and that match was so physical let him take some time off there's enough people in the roster to keep this going you know, in, in some kind of way. I was happy to see 
Christian Cage in action. You know, he's like, oh, work mm. everyone when he never really works. So it was, <laughs> I was happy to see him in the ring tonight. But mm. um, I mean, this was, this was fun chaos, like Jimmy said, and, and it's just a way to keep some of your mayor names out there. I, I did mm -hmm. think that we were going to see some of the main people out being the first show in LA. I really thought they delivered tonight. It felt mm. very... Uh, reminiscence of Grand Slam when they first came to mm. New York for the first time. You know, it was such a big deal. I felt that tonight could have been a TV special or, you know, it mm. could have been built differently because that's how good this show was. And th this this match was fun. Jungle Boy taking the pin. Jungle Boy loses a mm. lot when the tag mm. titles are not in the line. And I'm keeping an eye on that, to be honest mm. with you. That's a very good point. You bring up a very good point. Another thing I noticed yeah. that I appreciated with this match too was not even what happened in the ring. Adam Cole on commentary, I thought was an <laughs> absolute delight. Mm. There's often times where I feel like, oh, we're just forcing guys onto commentary to, again, get them exposure on TV. There was just something about the way he was chiming in that felt so authentic. His frustration about, come on, guys, you know, like what's going on here? Like him essentially getting really annoyed with his stable. And that's something mm. you never really see from Adam Cole. You know, he always, we saw this with the Undisputed Era. We've seen this before with his version of Bullet Club and Ring of Honor. He always brings his people up while always making sure he's still a level above. You never right. really see him bring down the people around him. So I thought that that added layer of him getting frustrated with his teammates was something we haven't seen from Adam Cole before. And especially him coming off of the biggest win so far in his AEW tenure thought that was like a little and i don't know if it was deliberate but maybe he's starting to get a little bit of a big head we did get a tease of that way back in ring of honor if you guys remember when he fired the young bucks from the bullet club yeah and resulted in kenny omega you know marty mm -hmm. stroll coming in and everything so who knows maybe this is the seed being planted for cracks in the undisputed elite something that kind of caught my ear jimmy did that catch your ear as well well, now that you brought it up, it caught my ear. I, I, right. I, I didn't. It, it's it's interesting because it, it's these little things that that sometimes can slide by you and you don't pick up on, and then someone points it out to you and you go, oh, "You know what? That's right." And I thank you for pointing it out because now that you said it, it makes perfect sense. And and that's why I was thinking back to before the match was set between Adam Cole and uh, Samoa Joe. I was wondering if it would have been Kyle O'Reilly instead. Can you imagine and mm. them starting it there again? Fantasy booking past tense, so to speak. <laughs> that going into the match, Adam Cole saying, "Okay, lie down for me," and Kyle saying, "No, what do you mean, lie down?" You know what I mean? So, mm. it, starting the rivalry or the uh, the dissension there. But uh, hey, I'm I'm all for the slow burn. I'm all for the slow burn as well. I think we got a lot of slow burn storylines brewing right now. Mm -hmm. the seeds, seeds are being planted. Let's put it Seed, that way. Yep. Seeds are being planted and they probably won't sprout for quite some time. But when they do, I think mm -hmm. we have a very plentiful garden on our hands. We mm -hmm. now move backstage uh, to a segment between Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee being interviewed. Swerve introducing some of his just wealthy, very well-connected <laughs> friends from the L.A. area, which all come off as authentic too because if you follow him on social media – this dude hangs around with some pretty big A-list stars. He's on red carpets. He's at Billboard Music Awards and all that. So I thought that that helped kind of elevate his star power a little bit. And one thing I appreciated from this backstage segment, too, they felt more like a tag team. Issa, you were on the Double or Nothing podcast with me on Sunday. I was very vocal about how none of the teams except the tag champions in that tag title match felt like a genuine tag team. Everyone yeah. felt like two single stars forced together because they don't have anything else to do on TV this backstage promo, I'm not going to say I'm fully bought in, but Swerve in our glory, I'm starting to get a little behind it. 
Issa, what were your thoughts on this very small promo? I mean, possibly it felt very random to me. <laughs> very, let me drop some names here while we're live on TV, but it, it's okay. You know, like I, I'm fine for them keeping them on TV and keeping them in the back of our heads. They are still in the rankings and, and I think everybody looked great on that tag team match. So, you know, if there's so much competition right now, this roster is so full of stars that if you have to keep Keith Lee and Swerve on a tag team, while not make sure that we know they're still there and, and they're still together. Yeah. And I got to mention headlock heel in the comment section. We're on the same wavelength here. I was thinking the exact same thing that with executives in the house, as you said, you know, presenting some celebrities, you know, make, looks yeah. good on them. Mm-hmm. Looks good for the company itself. Um, whether some people knew who they were or not is a different story. But at <laughs> the same time, it doesn't matter because they are celebs nonetheless. So headlock I mean, heel, they're, they're no bad bunny. They're no Bad Bunny. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> okay. That's the biggest Bad Bunny mark in the world. They're no Bad Bunny, but hey, nice try, you know? Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Happens. Well, we got yeah. our back. No worries. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think that's a very fair, uh, like, assessment of that backstage promo. It was nothing. It honestly was very, like, mm-hmm. you know, random mm-hmm. per se. But I do think it did help, at least me personally, buy in a little bit more to mm-hmm. that tag team we now move forward to another interview this one taking at place at the top of the ramp with tony shivani interviewing the very newly signed athena the former mm-hmm. ember moon from wwe a very heavily decorated female athlete coming now into aew she says she's here for the top co- top competition and specifically wants to break jade cargill's Streak Jade eventually interrupts with the batty section and Stokely Hathaway, another fresh AEW signing, who refers to himself as Jade's publicist. A nice little layer. I like how Paul Heyman is the advocate. You know, we have other people saying that they're their representative, their legal counsel or what whatnot. Mm-hmm. A publicist, a nice little, little added layer that's not mm-hmm. necessarily just a manager per se. Right. Jimmy, I'll go to you first for this one. Is Athena the woman to dethrone Jade Cargill? She definitely has the uh, uh, the skills, and she's really, really good in the ring. And that, and she's well known because of her time in WWE. But then here we go again, talking about the what MJF was talking about, going back to that promo, uh, ex WWE talents coming in and taking away from homegrown AEW stars. So I can see a good rivalry here, but uh, in this situation, as much as I'd like to see Athena with the the championship. Uh, I think Jade would be better off keeping it in this situation just to to take away that stigma of, hey, we're catering to the ex-WWE stars to elevate our product. Issa, what are your thoughts? So, um, I, I'm sorry. I, I think Athena is incredible. She's not it. She's not it. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. She was cutting this promo. I'm so happy for her. I feel legitimately from my heart, like, so happy to see her in All Elite. And as soon as Jade comes out, Jade does just she just has that it factor that you just go like, oh my God, look at her. I'm gonna tell you the one thing that I'm looking forward to here is I've been very vocal about how I rather see Jade being booked to just squash everyone. To me, Jade looks like she could kick anybody's ass in two minutes. I hate seeing her in these long matches. I hated her match at double or nothing. But the one thing that Athena has that some of the opponents that Jade has faced to this day don't have is that I feel like Athena could carry her into a really good match. Even Mm -hmm. if Jade wins, we might actually see 
the best match that we've seen from her when she goes against Athena, because I actually think that Athena could really help mm. elevate Jade, right? But I mean, is Athena gonna end up in the same Ruby Soho situation after that happens? I don't know, but I am looking forward to seeing Jade work with someone that might possibly really elevate her. But mm -hmm. when Jade stepped out, and if I'm a casual viewer or if I'm a big time executive, like she just has it. She oozes whatever it is, Jade mm -hmm. oozes it. So she's not losing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. No. And now with Stockley by her side, yeah, no way. <laughs> I, I do think that they are in a pretty weird predicament here. And honestly, I know they're teasing it. I hope this match just doesn't happen at least for a while because we've seen this before. I've mentioned this on past wrestling Inc. podcasts. Ruby Soho comes in immediately becomes number one contender, yeah. loses to Britt Baker and then has momentum stall for months and months mm -hmm. and months mm -hmm. before her. It was Brian cage. He won the ladder match, mm -hmm. became number one contender, came in guns blazing against John Moxley. He lost to Moxley. And then mm -hmm. Brian cage has been MIA not ever since but you know, his momentum has never been. Yeah, the same. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be seen as a baby face move, but I need Jade to say, Hey, I am, what is she now? 33 and all. I don't even mm -hmm. know what she's up to, but she needs to tell Athena, build yourself up in order to be able to face me. And let's see Latina get a couple of wins before we actually see the match. We were talking about slow burns earlier. Mm -hmm. I, I want this to be a slow burn and let's see Athena like really come out there and get established before we see her kind of like lose a match. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we have an interesting potential storyline on our hands with Athena's finisher, the Eclipse, or whatever they're going to call it in AEW. That's a move that you probably don't want anyone kicking out of, and you can build a very neat storyline mm -hmm. of having her face Jade and Jade win and then have the whole argument of, well, Athena never hit the Eclipse. Oh, right. Eventually, you know, you kind of do the whole Kenny Omega one wing danger with Okada thing mm -hmm. but with Athena and Jade Cargill. And maybe when she does hit it, she wins the title upon a rematch. Or maybe when she does hit it, Jade Cargill kicks out. And we just keep building Jade up and up and up because. But in order for that kick out to mean yeah. something, then you really have to build Athena up towards exactly. the point that we know nobody yeah. kicks out of it. Otherwise, exactly. it's, it's not going to mean anything. It's just going to be Jade mm -hmm. getting another win. Exactly, and that's what I mean about delaying yeah. this match is because we need to build up not just Athena, but Athena's finisher as well. Because I'm right. going to say that the Eclipse is on par with, you know, I don't want to say on par with the One Winged Angel because that has so mm -hmm. much history and everything in it, but it's that money move that yeah. when it's yeah. hit, you don't want anyone kicking out of it just based on the visual alone. So it's, it's, hopefully this is a match they build to for a very long time. Especially in a day and age where we're seeing a lot of stuff getting kicked out of where back in the day you'd say, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's 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 keep some finishers that look devastating. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna I mean, keep my fingers crossed here, Jimmy, because I've seen a lot of finishers in AEW now. I love AEW television, but there's a lot of finishers that I've seen being kicked out of that I'm like, that's impossible. That's impossible. No. So hopefully they don't they don't <clears throat> mess this up. Especially when especially when they land straight up like on their heads, mm, anything like that. It, it kind of <laughs> but but the part that bothers me even more than that, and again I'm nitpicking here or maybe not nitpicking is even after the kick out they're up and moving and running the ropes in like no time it's like yeah uh, the selling the yeah. selling needs some work here yeah. yes agreed being dropped on their heads as mjf alluded to in his promo that was another thing he mentioned there's yeah. layers and layers and layers we're going to be dissecting that for a very long time but speaking of mjf the man that defeated him this past sunday at double or nothing wardlow had his first official AEW contracted match 
on Dynamite tonight. And he defeated J.D. Drake in a very quick squash match. Hit the hit the power bomb one two three after the bell. Mark Sterling came out. Mark Sterling Esquire saying he's filing a lawsuit against Wardlow for attacking <laughs> security. To which Wardlow responded by power bombing more security. So that's where Wardlow is right now. Maybe we get a mini feud with Mark Sterling. I don't even know if you build to anything there. Maybe you know Wardlow versus Tony Nice. But I think oh. as we've mentioned before, I think Wardlow is TNT title bound. Whether that's next week or in a couple months, mm-hmm. but. I think that's the end game for Wardlow right now. Jimmy, what were your thoughts on Wardlow uh, moving forward now post MJF? Uh, it, this match was what, against uh, JD Drake was what it needed to be. Uh, again, an enhancement match to to put over the the power of Wardlow. And yes, the 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 suing angle is fine, and I don't mind a little rivalry there. But it's uh, but then what? Do you know what I mean? Like he should like plow right through Mark Sterling. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they should plow right through Tony Nese. Uh, even if they have a two-on-one handicap match against them, he should still, you know, it, uh, like you said, he is destined to somewhere be down the road, be their, their guy. But at the same time, I think we need to see more of him as opposed mm-hmm. to more of him in the ring. If you yeah. get my drift. I yeah. think that makes a lot of sense. Issa, what were your thoughts on Wardlow's quick squash match? I, I I told you on Sunday that I, I really, the only thing that I disliked about all of the NJF drama is that Warlow's moment didn't feel like it was Warlow's moment. And you have such a star in Warlow. Don't let the, the ooze of this momentum go away. And this is how you can do that, putting him in a field that kind of means nothing. Um, there is such a big roster that you could really build some matches that maybe don't need a title involved, but will still elevate Warlow to that coronation moment that possibly we didn't get on Sunday because of all the backstage drama involving the storyline with MJF. I feel like Warlow needs to go into a significant feud that is going to elevate him, not squash matches, not Mark Sterling. I love seeing him break, you know, the papers in half and this and that. But I think that Warlow has that it factor that we were just talking about with Jade. It's a matter of how do you book him post-MJF. It's very important. Where do we go from here with Warlow? And I just don't think this is it. So hopefully it's something that we move on from and then we see Warlow elevating to something else because I just don't want that momentum that he has going to just die out in a field that just feels like it's nothing. Before we move on to our final two matches, Grant Yenny sends in a super chat. Thank you so much, Grant. And he brings up a great point uh, that we were talking about earlier for the risk and abuse Athena's body takes after giving the eclipse. The fact that it wasn't protected in the past is disrespectful to her. I completely agree. This is not a move she needs to hit every single match. And when she does, it should put people away. It should be a last resort. Nail on the coffin. I, I remember mm-hmm. being there live for her NXT debut. And a lot of people, there was such a big uh-huh. buzz around her. Mm-hmm. And I just remember not being familiar with her. And as soon as I saw that finisher, I was like, okay, I'm all in. That is a yeah. badass finisher. Yeah. You know, so I agree. I don't think anybody should have kicked out of that. And I think no. her main roster, uh, because I did like her feud with Shayna Baszler. Like, you know what I mean? In the meantime, and her trying to win this NXT Women's Championship and, and all of that. But her main roster run was just mm-hmm. such a disappointment and i'm hoping that aw just does her some justice here we'll see the finisher was great and her wwe theme song too was an absolute <laughs> banger loved that yeah. and everything she had there speaking of great entrance music ruby soho tony storm getting the mm-hmm. win over Britt baker and jamie Hayter. at 9 30 p.m let's just mm-hmm. make sure that we point out that it was at 9 30 p.m mm-hmm. 
And the significance? They put them at 9.30 p.m. every week, which is the mm -hmm. dead spot before the main event, Leo. Mm -hmm. Come you on. Make yeah. a, okay, you make There's three things guaranteed in life. Death, uh -huh. taxes, and the women go on at 9.30 every Wednesday. That's a, and I'm going to repeat that until it stops happening. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, Jimmy, before we were, were we went live, you mentioned some icebreakers in wrestling that once mm -hmm. you hear something, you're never going to be able to unsee it. I'm going to be looking for that now on future episodes. Oh, I, of I, I do watch alongs every Wednesday, and this has become a, a gimmick between yeah. me and my chat because it's just what happens. And and this was a great match, but the time yes. you really put them in that time spot with the executives there to see them, mm. come on. That's that's a sad thing. Like you said, he said this was a very good tag match. The ladies worked really hard to put on one heck of a tag match, yes. and and they they. You know, I, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed the match very much. But like you said, it's the timing of it. I, again, I, I hate calling it the death spot. It is the death spot. You and I know it, Jimmy. You and I know it. I know. I just hate calling it that because the, these ladies deserve so much better. You know what I mean? Uh, and I get it. You got Mox versus Garcia, which we're going to talk about next, closing the show. But at the same time, why not going into that? I don't know if this would have worked, but what if you were to switch positions with the MJF promo in this ladies match? Because now the death spot becomes like must see TV because you're anticipating MJF's yeah. promo the whole night. You're building up to it. You're building up to it. You're building up to it. And then you, you sock it to them at the nine 30, you know? I don't know. Yeah, Just... no, no, they're never going to put NJF there. I think they could have swapped them with Willow or maybe a match that wasn't as meaningful. Maybe the Tang Man ma match. That's uh, what I would have swapped. Just any spot. Hour. That's not yeah. the 9.30 spot. But right. it's, it's being noticed, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. going to repeat it, and I'm going to, like, call it out until it stops happening. So. Yeah. And you say your dog is clearly very Yeah, upset my dog about... is very upset about the women at 9.30 <laughs> yeah. p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Well, after the bell, after the match was concluded, which did see Ruby Soho finally getting that pin on on Britt Baker, which was very uncharacteristic of AEW, might I add, because very rarely do talent get their win back, per se. They, we don't really do 50-50 book, booking in AEW. Uh, but, you know, here's Britt Baker coming off the win on Sunday, getting the pin over Ruby Soho, and now we're going flip-reverse. Ruby may be laying claim to having a one-on-one -on -one singles rematch mm -hmm. with Britt Baker down the line after the bell. Britt and Jamie left the faces laying. They attacked them both, raised their hands, raised that Bret Hart, Owen, excuse me, Owen Hart Cup Tournament Championship above her mm -hmm. head and headed to the back. So it doesn't look like we are done with the whole Ruby Soho, Tony Storm feuding with Britt Baker's collection of bad guys. We'll see what happens in the future. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it's at a better time slot to make everyone happy and make mm -hmm. sure, you know, as many eyes can get on those feuds as possible because Britt mm -hmm. Baker's money Tony Storm is quickly rising in the ranks. And I think Jamie Hayter might be uh, aligning herself with a, a faction very soon. I've been hearing, you're not hearing any like actual rumors, but mm. people are saying Blackpool Combat Club for Jamie Hayter, kind of fantasy booking a little bit. I could see it. I could see it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, they, they put themselves in this situation. Tony Storm and Ruby Soho desperately needed this win. So I'm glad they did get their win back. Right. Yeah, again, you know, getting their win back is not always a bad thing. It's just it's very shocked that the very shocked that Britt took the pin, though. I thought Jamie would take the pin here. So yeah, that, that surprised me as well. But uh, again, like you said, it it continues the story going forward. Yeah. 
That's a very good point. And we end with our main event, John Moxley defeating Daniel Garcia, which, if correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was the main event of when CM Punk debuted on Rampage way yes. back in yes, August 2021. Yes. So I thought, you know, that kind of running it back uh, sense was cool because back then Daniel Garcia was just aligned with 2.0. He was, you know, the, the plucky guy who had just gotten signed and trying to get a spot in the card. And now he's very well established. Mm -hmm. And if you watch those matches back to back, I remember that Moxley, the first time they wrestled, not being a full on squash, but Moxley very much in control. Yeah. This mm -hmm. one, Garcia, a lot more aggressive, a lot more offensive busting open moxley a nice little mm -hmm. note on commentary mentioning that those are stitches he had yes. from anarchy in the arena that were reopened which i was like okay maybe that's a little better because the visual of daniel garcia this like essential rookie in aew making mm -hmm. john moxley the former you know year-long right. champion bleed i was like that's a little much for me and then I realized, mm -hmm. oh, his stitches just being open again. Right, but Moxley's um, always bleeding. Yeah. Like he blood, he bled in his match with Willer Yuda. He might be smaller than, than Daniel Garcia. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and that's a very good point. Eventually ended with Moxley submitting Garcia to the bulldog mm -hmm. choke. Jericho tried to interfere, but Kingston eventually did cut him off. And Moxley mm -hmm. cut a little promo at the very end saying he's very much in for blood and guts. Looks like it's happening June 29th. I believe that's locked in three days after Forbidden Door takes place mm -hmm. on that Sunday. It's going to be mm -hmm. a packed month of June for mm -hmm. pro wrestling content. Jimmy, what were your thoughts on Moxley and Garcia? If you do remember that August match that they had, how did this one compare? Uh, I, you know what? I don't remember the, the August match as much as I should, but this one was very good. Was very, face, Jimmy. Nobody oh, there you face. go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, believe it or not, the station up here that carries AEW in Canada does not carry Rampage. They, you have to go to their website to watch it. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Uh, yeah. So, uh, or have to wait and watch it later online or right. whatever the case may be. But uh, I, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was very physical. I enjoyed hearing Regal and uh, Jericho on, on commentary. That added to the match as well. Um, under normal circumstances, I would have thought the blood was unnecessary. But coming out of Sunday because of yeah. the stitches, explaining that it was the stitches that were reopened, that made sense mm -hmm. to me. And uh, I like the ending too, with 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 Eddie Kingston coming down and cutting off Jericho again. Uh, uh, Eddie Kingston is it, it has got me hooked because I buy into everything he does. He feels so real. He's so real. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a really good, great point, Isa. Any thoughts on the ending of this match? Uh, one comment I didn't want to pull up before I toss to you. Uh, Iron Med saying, "What was Eddie doing? He almost pulled a Titus. I noticed that too. He was going to the ring." He almost lost his balance, and we might have seen him go under the ring. But fortunately, he made it there in time and cut Jericho off. Mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts, Issa, on this main event? Very fun match. Um, I, I was saying respect to Moxley for wrestling after what any of them went through this Sunday. That that um, anarchy in the arena match, I feel like it was equally brutal for everyone that participated in it. So just to see two of the men that were part of that match main event dynamite, respect to them, you know, we saw them beat up earlier when the Jericho Association Society was there without Daniel Garcia. And you could see like the scars of, of what went on on Sunday. 
I think that this just hypes you up so much more for Blood and Guts. Because if you have a Moxley with a full-on crimson mask from the stitches, which I appreciated commentary reintegrating that, I didn't need it because I saw Double or Nothing, but maybe not everybody that's watching saw Double or Nothing. So I appreciated them reminding you of that. But if you're seeing that on a normal Wednesday night, what can we expect from Blood and Guts, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think it just hypes people up even more for Blood and Guts. I really hope this episode of Dynamite does better in the ratings because I mm-hmm. thought they really de- delivered tonight. I really mm-hmm. do. And this is an episode of Dynamite that I was saying to Jimmy before we officially went live. I was not that hot on Double or Nothing. I know, Issa, you were on the podcast mm-hmm. with me, and I'm the super positive guy. I always try to be glass half full. But I sat on it for a couple nights, and I was yeah. like, I really don't think that has as much replay value as prior mm. pay-per-views. The last four though. matches do, in my opinion. Like, after the women came out, like, the women, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeps, Honor King, the mm. arena, the tag title in the main event, that's my replay value. Of a five-hour pay-per-view to just want to go back and watch the last hour, that, mm. that's very telling. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's part of the issue, too. Uh, like, like Liam was saying, we were talking about this a little bit. Uh, maybe my anticipation was so high. And it, and and again, the length of the pay per view did have a little bit to do with it. As well. Yeah, I'm with you. I just want to give them the same energy. I'm I'm very pro. I know Liam, you're Mister Positivity. I'm I'm Mrs. <laughs> give the same energy to both companies, and I'm very right. critical of WWE when they put on this this lengthy pay per views. And I have to give them the same energy. If you would have taken a few matches out of this card, this would have been absolutely incredible. But I feel like the length of the pay per view really hurt the the replay value of the mm-hmm. or nothing. But Liam, to your point, tonight, whatever is next for AW, I'm super hyped coming mm-hmm. out of Double or Nothing. True. Yeah. And we also mentioned, I, w- I was saying that along the lines of if more people shared my sentiments of not being too hot, maybe this dynamite doesn't do too crazy mm-hmm. in the ratings. Yeah. And then I remember what Vince McMahon always says, where it doesn't matter what kind of show you put on, they only remember the finish. And the finish of Double or Nothing was CM Punk becoming AEW champion. And I think people probably wanted to tune in to that specifically and also everything going on with them but you know like yeah. the way that i judge this live wrestling shows because we consume mm. so much content as we're covering it and you know analyzing it and the way that i see every show is like if i have to tell you go watch it afterwards that's um you know if it's mm. must watch mm. television there were so many segments that were so good on tonight's dynamite mm. that i would tell people to go out of their way to watch the entire yeah. show where i haven't had a show like that with wwe in a long time like raw and, smackdown they yeah. haven't been must watch tonight and, it was must watch and if you have to pick one thing to watch from tonight i guarantee MJF. you gotta go watch that mjf promo because yeah. he should be wearing the million dollar man's tights just dollar signs all over it mm-hmm. yep that's easy too you mentioned the telling your friends to watch something and not really knowing how to describe it Literally what happened with the MJF promo in real time. I just said MJF cut the promo of the decade. They're like, why? What did he say? I'm like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Just go just watch. watch it. I just know. Take my word for it and watch. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, though, we did get a very generous super chat from Ralph the Ace. Thank you so much for sending in that chat and supporting this podcast. He says, great show, guys. This is random. Love that AEW buys real theme music. Do you guys have a favorite underrated theme music, past or present? Fabulous. Uh, Rogus underrated lol. I'm probably showing my age there with that pronunciation. Rujos, Rujos. Oh, <laughs> the fabulous Rujos. Yes, yes. Uh, do you guys have any any favorite uh underrated theme music, past or present? Uh, Jimmy, I'll go to you first. Oh, my god, underrated, underrated. Yeah, oh my goodness. 
uh, maybe go to Issa first because I'm trying to think of <laughs> underrated music. I'm trying to think because I, there was a time where, you know, when I was with the Ring Crew, we had the the the, the music and all the back in the day, all the cassettes with everybody's oh. theme music in it and all that sort of stuff. I wonder if I have that down in the basement storage somewhere. Oh my God, but find the, it, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, if I, I'm going to look now tomorrow, but uh, give me a minute to think. So. So I have two songs on my like gym playlist that I absolutely love that I don't feel are talked about enough. And that's Jinder Mahal's entrance song, I Will Forever mm -hmm. Say It Slaps, mm -hmm. and Mark Henry's WWE song from, from Three Six Mafia. Come on, like oh, people wow. don't talk about that song enough. Oh, so like yeah. every time he came out, you get ready to kick somebody's ass. Like it's yeah. awesome. Mark Henry's music was great. Yes. Yeah. It was a, you know what? I, I love the brood music because you know oh, forever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they, they, they just I, I don't I don't know if you would consider it underrated, but it was like, again, when you talk about uh, hitting somebody's music and right away you knew who it was, it was almost like, well, not not like Stone Cold's where you hear the glass shatter, but uh, right. you know what I mean. But I do cool. miss that, Jimmy. I miss that in WWE. I was watching SmackDown a week or two ago, and I was like, I don't recognize half of the entrance music here. And that breaks my heart because I feel like we have such an emotional connection to entrance yeah. music. And that is something that AEW is doing right. There's like, especially going back to the Anarchy in the Arena match, yeah. like Wild yeah. Thing playing in the background for like the first 12 minutes of the match was so epic. Mm. Um, I think I think that Tony Khan knows what he's doing when it comes to like giving a certain signature entrance music to someone yeah mm -hmm. i got a couple i got a whole playlist that i go through oh, i love cfos too their era in nxt they just produced yeah. hit after mm -hmm. hit after hit i very much miss them uh, a lot of people forget this fire uh cm punk's theme before cult of personality oh. feel like that goes under the radar because so many people love cult of personality just that much more i loved baron corbin's theme uh, uh i'll be your end of days and all that before mm -hmm. he transitioned to the yeah. happy corbin stuff and all that um, obviously kingdom is not underrated everyone loves kingdom we are one the nexus theme from back in the day oh very much goodness. enjoy that one and i don't know if he still uses it because i think that there was a rights issue for a little bit but uh will osprey's theme elevated um i really really enjoy that one hmm. uh, i don't think it's under I, when i say underrated it's probably very popular with the people who know it but i don't know if everyone knows it and he might have switched music because he was using that before he started the United Empire and everything. But either way, uh, elevated by a band called It Lives, It Breathes, Will Ospreay's theme. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Great choices. Yeah. Love it. Well, hey, guys, that's AEW Dynamite. I know wow. what we're all doing immediately after this podcast wraps. We're going to go watch MJF's promo like five more times, hyperanalyze it, look for Easter eggs, see if we mm -hmm. missed anything. But thank you all so much. For tuning in thank you both for joining me on this edition of the wrestling inc podcast jimmy people can find you at jimmy corderas very simple mm -hmm. on your screen right there but do yep. you have anything else going on that you'd like to plug right now no nah, i i do my daily ref and rants which you can see on at jimmy corderas and it's just little little critiques here and there i know some people take them a little bit too much to heart but it's, i'm trying to have a little fun with them so you can see them at jimmy corderas on twitter at real jimmy corderas on instagram you can find me on on uh on Facebook as well. And again, just having a little fun critiquing little things. I love it. Isa, you can find her at NYC Demon Diva. That's D number one VA. Isa, anything fun you got going on that you'd like to shout out? 
of course, my YouTube channel is on the way to 20,000 subscribers. So if people can just go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, I've been spending a lot of hours doing watch-alongs and just having some fun with everybody watching this show's live and, and just screaming out loud in your ears when MJF cut those kind of promos. So please go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Yeah, cool. I love it. We'll make sure to all subscribe. Get you to that 20K. That's a huge milestone for me. Everywhere at Liam T. Crowley. Very simple. You can find my stuff on Wrestling Inc. as well as at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. And make sure to just keep loving pro wrestling because I think we're in a golden age right now. And I'm very, very excited to see how things oh. unfold. And really quick, if you want your own pro wrestling tees, ref and rent t-shirt, go to prowrestlingtees.com. There we go. The, the and there's also an extra one there that uh, that people don't know about. It's called the Canadian Heat Magnet. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I might have to go do some shopping. That's, that's my <laughs> first priority before the MJF free watch. There you go. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.